This video is brought to you by Devout Decals, makers of reusable Catholic art for your home altar, your bedroom, and your home classroom. The modernists are sneaky, I'll give them that. They have been planning to destroy the resurgent traditional Catholic movement in the church for years, and they've been quietly implementing their move all year, and most of us have only noticed part of what they were doing. Someone pointed out something to me that we all missed, and now I'm going to share it with you. Your favorite Catholic public figures are under heavy scrutiny by the Vatican, echoing what I said just a couple of weeks ago about your parish being snooped on by Rome. Get ready because they're implementing a policy in Rome that has far-reaching implications and is designed to silence those critical of the modernists. Let's dive into this. I'm going to frame this in something said by Paca Papa Francis six weeks before issuing the official response to a dubia that probably didn't exist that was used to hammer traditional Catholics. At his Angelus on November 7th, 2021, Francis said the following, quote, Today we see clericalism in many places, this being above the humble, exploiting and beating them, feeling perfect. This is the evil of clericalism. It's a warning for all times, church and society, never to take advantage of your position to crush others. End quote. Francis should heed his own advice. The job of the papacy is, to borrow a turn of phrase from Francis himself, it's to be a guardian of tradition. It's to preserve the faith, pass it on, clarify what we believe infallibly when needed, and to be a beacon of the light of Christ in the world always wrestling with the dark. But now in our time, and for numerous papacies since the 1950s, the papacy has become a plaything of oligarchs for the interests of the Leviathan of Catholic prophecy. Such is the state of things. But remember Francis's words because we now know what is coming next. Everyone missed this when it was issued in the summer, including myself. Virtually everyone. And almost no one has commented on this in the news, to my knowledge. In June of 2021, the Vatican announced an entire new book was to be added to the Code of Canon Law, which was to take effect on the 8th of December, which is when things typically take effect in the post-conciliar church. It is worth noting that December 8th is the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, a Marian feast day that is a holy day of obligation. Having new beginnings in the law of the church start on that day is symbolically important. Having things that hammer faithful Catholics take effect on that holy feast day is also symbolic of the utter contempt the modernists in Rome have for the Church, for Our Lady, and for the laity. What is in this Code of Canon Law edition that has me so worked up? Canon 1373-1373 of the Code of Canon Law, a new addition to the body of the Church law that was added in June went to effect again on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, says the following, quote, a person who publicly incites hatred or animosity against the apostolic see or the ordinary because of some act of ecclesiastical office or duty, or who provokes disobedience against them, is to be punished by interdict or other just penalties. End quote. I think the key word there is just, which invalidates everything that they're going to use this for. <laughs> but who precisely does this target? Any member of the Catholic Church. What is an interdict? Let's get a formal definition from Father John A. Harden's Modern Catholic Dictionary as presented on the website catholicculture.com. Quote, A censure forbidding the faithful while still remaining in communion with the Church, the use of certain sacred privileges, such as Christian burial, some of the sacraments, and attendance at liturgical services, 
It does not exclude from church membership, nor does it necessarily imply a personal fault of any individual affected by the interdict. When imposed for a fixed period, it is a vindictive penalty because of some grave act done against the common good of the church by one or more parishes. Usual religious services are curtailed, but sacraments may be given to the dying, marriage is celebrated, and Holy Communion administered if the interdict is general or local, not personal. Yes, there are personal interdicts. A general interdict may be inflicted only by the Holy See. Parishes or persons may be interdicted only by the local ordinary. End quote. What does all that mean? Anyone who speaks against Paca Papa Francis, the modernists in Rome, or any bishop misusing his authority can be, not be denied the sacraments by his bishop. The bishop can determine the severity of the penalty, including being barred from receiving the blessed sacrament and even confession. Recall that in 2020 there was talk among some of the Catholic commentators, who are smarter than I am about the entire church, being an inter under interdict due to the cessation of public mass. Only a tiny minority of the Catholic faithful were able to receive the sacraments during that period, usually through the SSPX or set of Acontis chapels, who ignored the unjust decrees to cease the public offering of the holy sacrifice of the mass. Now imagine this. One day a formal registered letter is delivered by your postman to you, and you happen to run a blog or a YouTube channel or just very active on Twitter under your real name or whatever, and the postman has you sign for it. You have no idea what it is, and then you see the diocesan letterhead on the envelope. You open it, and it contains a letter personally signed by the bishop, informing you that you have been placed under an interdict, that you are not to receive the sacraments of penance and holy communion until you publicly cease your activities of incitement against the pope or prelates in conformity with Canon 1373 of the Code of Canon Law. What comes next? You either submit or seek the sacraments from some other Catholic organization who is probably being smeared by Catholics who are allegedly on our side of things, but who will happily ignore an unjust command, like what the bishop is trying to do. That is what this is meant to do, to be a hammer used against anyone who dares to speak against the modernists in Rome. It's an, a horrifyingly uncatholic, wicked law, and it went into effect on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And this is the mark of desperation. As I said earlier this week, the modernists are losing and they know it. And so when the wicked with their hands on the reins of power become desperate, they do what comes natural to them. They tighten their grip and they lash out at those who stand in their way. That is what is going on here. Further, all of Francis's commands are illegitimate. The Pope does not have the ultimate power to do what he wills. His power is limited to being the guarantor of the faith, the chief shepherd. He is not the innovator and destroyer in chief. Yet the reign of Francis, the man the world sees as pontiff, is just that, innovator and destroyer-in-chief. He has deemed what has seen been previously as sacred for 1,960-plus years of church history to be not sacred, and that it all should be done away with. That is what Francis has done in our times. He has continued the work of other destroyers before him. And why? Because, again, they know that they are losing. Friends, they know that they're losing. They see the writing on the wall. Clown masses and irreverent masses in mostly empty parishes, few if any vocations in their seminaries, and their balance sheets being kept in the black due to shady dealings with secular rulers. They see what is inevitable, and that's a restoration of tradition in some form due to attrition and a humbler church on the other side. They see it, they know it, and they are trying desperately to stop it from happening.
Francis said as much in the letter accompanying Traditionis Custodis when he said that the goal was to welcome traditional Catholics back to the man-made right invented by enemies of the Church in the 1960s. For a critique of the new Mass from unquestionably loyal sons of the Church from that period in history, check out my recording of the Ottaviani intervention. Cardinal Ottaviani, along with his co-authors, predicted to Paul VI what would be the outcome of his new liturgy, decades before it came to fruition. There are those that say our duty is to obey at all costs. That is false. As I went over on Monday, many saints and great minds of the Church have all said the same thing. We must resist the actions of any prelate or pope who seeks to destroy the Church. 1 Peter 5 had a good article on this topic recently, and I'm going to use it to make a point. Centuries ago, another pope was acting in ways destructive of the Church and of the faith of the laity. Not in any way nearly as overt as in our times, but still dangerous to the faith and morals of the laity. I will here echo the words of Bishop Robert Grosstate, who died in the year 1253, who, when faced with an unjust papal command, responded in this way. Pope Innocent IV was engaged in a case of nepotism. He tried to award a seat of power to a cousin of his near London unjustly, and Bishop Grosstate categorically rejected the claim of papal authority in this matter. Quoting the late great Michael Davies on this, quote, In his reply to the papal command, Bishop Grosstate accused Pope Innocent IV of disobedience to Christ and the destruction of the care of souls. No faithful subject of the Holy See, he wrote, no man who is not cut away by schism from the body of Christ in the same Holy See can submit to mandates, precepts, or any other demonstrations of this kind. No, not even if the authors were the most high body of angels. He must needs repudiate them and rebel against them with all his strength. Because of the obedience by which I am bound, and of my love of my union with the Holy See in the body of Christ, as an obedient son I disobey, I contradict, I rebel. You cannot take action against me, for my every word and act is not rebellion, but the filial honor due by God's command to father and mother. And as I have said, the apostolic see in its holiness cannot destroy, it can only build. This is what the plenitude of power means, it can do all things to edification, but these so-called provisions do not build up, they destroy. Commenting on this letter in his study, Gross Tate's relations with the papacy and the crown, W.A. Panton writes, There seem to be two lines of argument here. The first is that since the plentitudo protestatis regarding the juridicial power of the papacy exists for the purpose of edification and not destruction, any act which tends to the destruction or the ruin of souls cannot be a genuine exercise of the plenitude potestatis. The second line of argument is that if the pope, or anyone else, should command anything contrary to the divine law, then it will be wrong to obey. And in the last resort, while protesting one's loyalty, one must refuse to obey. The fundamental problem was that while the church's teaching is supernaturally guaranteed against error, the church's ministers, from the pope downwards, are not impeccable and are capable of making wrong judgments or giving wrong commands. End lengthy quote. Many of you have asked me to talk about the limits of obedience due to Rome. I'll quote that article again here, where the author provides this from Father Chad Ripperger on when we can justly disobey lawful authority. Pay close attention. Quote, St. Thomas, Aquinas, other moralists, and even the Church herself give certain conditions under which we should not execute the command of a superior, and this would apply to bishops, and in some rare cases, even the Pope. We are bound to obey all of their legitimate commands. The first condition that would exempt us from obedience is if they command something that is contrary to the natural law or the divine positive law. That is, if the command is sinful, one is bound not to obey. In fact, one is forbidden to obey. 
Second, if the command is clearly imprudent, and this follows from the fact that imprudence is a sin, this can only be done when he has a very clear grasp of all the circumstances involved. Otherwise, the benefit of the doubt goes to one superior. Third, the church herself says in the code of canon law that if the circumstances under which the command was given make the execution of the command impossible, the person should go back to the superior and ask what he is to do. Fourth, if the superior commands you to do something which is contrary to the sustenance of life, for example, your superiors cannot command you to fast to the point of starvation. Fifth, if the command is excessively onerous, one is not bound to obey. For example, if your superior commanded you to live on four hours of sleep at night. Sixth, the command does not come from someone with jurisdiction. Seventh, your superiors cannot command you to do something spiritually or morally harmful. For example, if your superior commanded a young male to take a piano-playing job in a brothel. End quote. Those are the conditions. And I would argue that by sitting by and permitting the annihilation of the faith, we are complicit in it, and that is not something we can do. It is immoral, and any order from Rome that requires that of us is to be rejected. Full stop. Not for our edification, not for our aggrandizement, but for the church, for our blessed Lord, for the faith and for the salvation of souls. That is what we must do, and what we must accept, even if it is hard to imagine what the consequences will be. So be brave, and be ready for the hammer to fall on many people. Many will probably earn the white crown of martyrdom during this. Who do you think will be first? Will it be Raymond Arroyo? Francis has hinted at his displeasure with him. I've covered that before. Dr. Taylor Marshall. He handed Francis a first edition of Infiltration, which would be akin to Henry Sire handing a copy of Dictator Pope to Francis. I think it'll be someone else. Let me know what you thought of this in the comments, please. And like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. As always, pray for the Church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.